I lost track because I'd already made a, fo- a file for episode 30 and then it got corrupt. Thanks, ah, that's computer. Right. Yeah. By the way, I might just chuck this on the end to explain why we've been dis- we've disappeared for two weeks. Sure. Yeah. <sighs> Alrighty. All right, then. Shall I do my Auntie Donna intro? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Let's do it. Do you want me to? I could try and come up with something else. Um, I'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be fine? Alrighty. I, th- I think it's fine. Everything's a drum. Everything's a drum. Everything's a drum. Did you know this mic is a drum? Oh. Hmm. Well, if that mic is a drum, then mm-hmm. my stand must be a drum. Oh, that was... Hmm. <laughs> I don't think this went very well, because I actually forgot the, the tune that they drum out in. Yeah. Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun on Netflix. You should check it out. <laughs> I'm starting to realise that that was probably all just terrible audio quality. I know. I'm actually very self-conscious about it. But... I think we'll make an exception for episode 30 of No Doubt Consumed. Yes. Auntie Donna. Yes, that's right. We're up to episode 30, and I've got to admit, between the last episode and this one, which is about two weeks, so quite a while, if not more. Is it more? Uh, this will be out three weeks after the previous one, because I need to edit it. Yeah, so technically two weeks in between, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's gotten really hot in Australia. Summer's arrived, and so I've got my back, my door open to get some cool air in, and I've got my fan going, so if you hear compromise audio quality, that's why... I'm not going to apologize because I hate the heat. I was really born in the wrong country. I've always said that. For sure. Uh, but yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, the I in question is me, Reese Parton, and with me is Sandro Felcher, my good friend. Hello. It's a, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, we're back. We're doing more episodes. This is we a fun are. one. I'm looking forward to this one because I feel like the last three episodes of Star Trek Discovery, which is you know what we have been covering on the show recently, yeah. the last three episodes in particular have really kind of just highlighted everything good and bad about the show. Absolutely. Everything good and bad are in these <laughs> three episodes. Yeah. And so we will... Be going through that. I don't know for how long. I don't know exactly how much I've got to say about these three episodes, but I do know that there is a lot of stuff in there that is both good and bad and sums up the show as a whole. So that'll be fun. Yeah, it definitely will be. I'm looking forward to doing this because we've had some time off and I'll just uh, address that now. Firstly, something quite personal and quite exciting happened the first week and we just couldn't record that week. We couldn't find the time. So we delayed it. We thought, look, it'd be all right to have a week's delay. Then we sat down and recorded last week. I sat down to edit, got maybe 10 minutes worth of the episode edited. Then I went off and had lunch. When I came back, the audio editing software (laughs) I used had crashed. I tried to open it again and it said the file was corrupted and I lost the episode. (laughs) classic and i liked last week's episode it was fun to record and i think it was going to be great to listen to but it was a good it was a good one oh well (laughs) i guess like tenacious d this is just a tribute oh dear no that 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 always yeah that happens every now and then i know we've had to record episodes before oh it does uh you and I have done, each of us, five different podcasts each, like different shows, mm. and we've experienced that before, and we've edited most of those, so 
Like we've experienced that before, so it, it does happen. Yeah, it does happen. But we're back, oh, and yeah. some stuff we will be talking about again from that episode. We'll be going back over it. I know I will, mm, uh, yeah, particularly when we jump into, yeah, the main segment. But uh, also mm. gave me time to watch some more stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, more content for the show. Hell yeah. This could be a long one, but also mm, we'll probably cap it at 90 minutes. <laughs> oh, will we? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, so... To jump into this, I'm going to ask a question that is always asked on this show and quite regularly asked on the main show too, Yeah, which is, Sandro, what have you been consuming lately? Well, I rewatched Space Jam. Oh my God, really? Yeah. And it's actually not terrible. You don't have to say actually to me. I know it's not terrible. I like Space Jam. <laughs> well, that's the thing about it is that it is good. And I like the last time I saw it was probably like four years ago. Yeah. And I remember when I saw it then, I went, wow, this actually has like held up quite well. Oh, yeah. And I'm a big Looney Tunes fan. So obviously I'm going to like it because, you know, big fan of Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. big fan of uh, Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. And of course, Ivan Reitman, who was one of the producers. The director has never done anything else aside from this, so I can't really say I'm a fan of the director. Oh, okay. But he did a good job with this. You can say you're a fan of the director if this if he hasn't done anything but this and you like this. That's true. I mean, look, he managed to get Michael Jordan, <laughs> who's not an actor. In fact, I would say he's not a good actor, but <laughs> he's, good, he's good at basketball. He's good in this, yeah. especially considering that for most of this movie, he's acting to nothing. Yeah, exactly. That's actually pretty commendable. Yeah, like, if the director can get a guy that can't act mm. to act to nothing and make that watchable, good on you. Because, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, up there with George Lucas. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's, Although... that's harsh. I didn't mean that Hayden Christensen. I do like you a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Ah, there's nothing really else to say about Space Jam, is it? I mean, I guess it's a weird world. The Looney Tunes live in the center of the earth and live broadcast their various antics to the televisions and they're also like owned by warner brothers <laughs> so it's like... i know bloody corporations am i right Ugh. yeah the world <laughs> of the um brendan fraser movie makes more sense because the world of this one is very strange but the brendan fraser one kind of makes more sense because they kind of go more into depth about they've got their own town and everything's live and they like they film it and all that in this, it's like, we're in the center of the earth and we're live <laughs> broadcasted. I like that. Or we're also slaves to the corporation. It's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> I think in the same way, although it's probably not as impressive as uh, Roger Rabbit, who framed Roger Rabbit. Mm. As a kid, I was like, how did they combine these? Because I know these real actors, these live yeah. action actors. I still, part of me doesn't quite get the physics behind it. It's really interestingly well done it is i don't think it looks as smooth weirdly enough it doesn't look as smooth and polished as who framed roger rabbit but Mm. i'm still like how do they do that yeah because i think some of it's 3d computer animated in space jam yes as opposed to obviously in roger rabbit it wouldn't have been but still there's a bit of 3d and it's not very good (laughs) like the first time you see uh, whatever the mountain place is. Idiot Mountain? No, Moron Mountain. It <laughs> looks like it's straight out of, like, Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, it does. Like, early 2000 <laughs> animation. Yeah. It's just like, ooh, this isn't good. Mm. Also, just, like, thinking about it, the fact that Danny DeVito's character <laughs> is totally fine with 
not owning the Looney Tunes after they lose a basketball game. He's got the strongest people in that scenario. He could have easily just taken them. He could have been like, oh, we lost the ball game. Who cares? We're the strongest people in this environment. We're going to take you. Yeah. Like, good on him for um for accepting the, the, the loss. Also, just good on Danny DeVito. Just, he's amazing. He is good. Yeah. I just realize all the other things that he's in. And it's like, oh, yeah, he was in Batman. He was in Matilda. He was mm-hmm. in... He's, he's just so good. He is in a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's a good movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the sequel. I think that's part of why I, like, rewatched it. Because, like, there's a lot of talk. There's a sequel coming out. There is a sequel coming, isn't there? I think it's mid-next year mm. with LeBron James, who is a better actor than Michael Jordan. Oh, is he? I actually haven't seen him in anything. Because he has... Yeah, I, I, I can't remember what I've seen him in, but I've seen him in something. It might have even been, like, some SNL sketches. Mm. And I was like, hey, he's actually pretty good in this. If he could do that, he could do a lot of other stuff. Because yeah, I think it's quite commonly agreed that comedy is one of the hardest things to get right. So yeah. yeah, That's good. Although I know it's commonly agreed among a lot of people that Saturday Night Live doesn't really <laughs> equal comedy. Uh, but those are some harsh, humorless people. <laughs> from a writing point of view, not very... Yeah, it's like the cast members are impressive, but the writing is kind of like, eh. But the cast members, yes, pretty great. They're pretty great. And the guests and all of that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. On a similar note to that... Yes. Something that really you don't have much to say about... I've got something I don't have much to say about yet, which is uh, the first book in the His Dark Materials trilogy or series. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I haven't read very much of it. I've actually only read two chapters. I've just had a lot going on and not much time to read, but mm. quite interested. And um, Philip Pullman's writing is better than I remember it. I've, I've read The Ruby and the Smoke, but it was when I was quite young, and that's actually quite a mature story. So I think some of the... Like a commentary was going over my head at the time, and I thought it was a bit of a tedious person to read, but this is a nice, quick-paced read. I really like it. Okay. And I'm actually amazed at how quickly it jumps into setting up some of the concepts that I know will carry on through all of the books. Yeah. Um, like Dust, it sets it up within the first few pages yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So that's a, that's interesting. But I'll, I'll give reports on that as I continue. Mm. But yeah, I, I've started reading His Dark Materials for the first time. And I don't have much to say because I'm not that far into it. Yeah, that's exciting. I was gonna, um, I was gonna jump into that soon as well. I, oh, cool. I was going to when the TV show started mm. and just kind of ran out of time. But uh, yeah, those I've heard so many great things about that series, and I'm yeah excited to get into it. Yeah, particularly being a big fan of Narnia. Oh yeah, I'm like yeah, but this is Narnia, but atheist, and I'm like oh, it's even better. <laughs> Ah, the real version of it, hey? Ah, oh, nah, I like Narnia a lot. Narnia's good. <laughs> I, I adore Narnia. Narnia is great. The uh, TV show with Tom Baker in it, the books, yeah. and most of the movies. Most of them. Uh, moving on. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the third one. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's not terrible. Yeah. It's not brilliant. No. It's got... Uh, what's his name? He's in so many things, and I keep forgetting his name, which is so rude. Oh, Will Will Patton? That's mm, his, his name. Falter, isn't it? Yeah, Falter, that's it. Yeah, um, yeah. He's good. He's good. And he was actually pretty good in that, but it just wasn't as great a movie as the ones directed by Adam Adamson, who's one of the best, uh, or is it Andrew? Anyway, mm. he's just a great director. 
Yeah, directed by... Uh, that one was directed by Michael Apt, who, based off a lot of things I have seen him him do, it's not the most apt director. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to say that. You got there before me. Oh. What else is he... Oh, yeah, he did The World Is Not Enough, which was um that James Bond movie. Uh... Which, yeah, that one of the many, which one? The Brosnan one, oh. which um, which is that really awkward one that has uh, a character called called, uh, called Christmas in it, and um, the final line of dialogue is as Pierce Bronson is lying on top of Christmas. He says, well, "I thought that Christmas only came once per year," <laughs> and the movie ends, and you're like, "Oh, is this a parody?" That was. Uh, <laughs> not good. Anyway, uh, speaking of comedy... Oh, yes. <laughs> do you want to talk about Annie Donna's big old house of fun? I do. I want to talk about something that <laughs> is actually funny. <laughs> oh, that movie. Yeah, well, I, oh, I can't even remember that, but I have seen it. Oh, dear. But let's talk about something that is uh, full of laughs, full of joy, and is, is excellent. And that is... The TV show from the Australian comedy trio, Auntie Donna. Well, the group. There's six of them. <laughs> yeah, but they're the ones who appear on screen, so I'm including them. Okay. <laughs> As the main cast. Yeah. Yeah, it's the main three. Then you've got uh, director, and you've got sound guy, and then also Sam, who who writes the six, the six dudes. Six dudes. Although, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, I know you're close to them and you're probably offended on their behalf, but I'm just thinking of the three performers, all right? <laughs> uh, for a long time, I was into comedy a lot, and you know this because we talked oh, yeah. about comedy heaps, and we both gave it a go in terms of performing it live. We obsessively listened to uh, what was called the Nerdist podcast, mm. uh, and they constantly interviewed comedians, and it was hosted by comedians, and we just, we lapped it up. We loved it. We, we love performing and creativity it was one of our favorite forms of it but the problem is i feel like i saw the matrix code behind it eventually (laughs) so scripted television comedy television on the whole with a few exceptions like basically community is lost on me okay yeah i just don't i don't like it anymore i get i know what the punchline is going to be what tone of voice is going to be set in and how long after the setup it's going to be, and it just, I roll my eyes at it. But this isn't necessarily a sitcom; it's a sketch comedy show. Yeah. So yeah. it's a bit, a bit more unpredictable, a bit fresher than that. And it was my introduction to Auntie Donna, and I've since gone on to see some of their stage shows that have been recorded and released on YouTube. And it's just brilliant. Like you, the first thing you see is that song that we referenced at the start of the show, which which says that everything's a drum, and they demonstrate that in their house. And yes. uh, it's very high energy, very silly. And then it crosses into, they're trying to drum on something and it doesn't work. And Zach's like, did you know this pot is a drum? And it doesn't work. He's like, uh, I said, did you know this pot is a drum? <laughs> and it just doesn't work. And then they suddenly go from, yay, high pitched, happy voices to, what the fuck, Broden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly Broden sounds like he's like the head of this cult or this church and it's, you're not playing it properly. And then, uh, you know, Mark, who's another one of them, you know, starts questioning him. And he says, that's enough out of you, brother Mark. And I just, I love the sudden switch. And it sets up a concept in two lines that we've gone from this lovely, funny, jolly thing to a cult. 
that's been set up just so quickly. I love thought out writing like that. And then I'm actually just running through the first episode as I'm talking on Netflix. And then it goes to them needing to audition a new mm. flatmate because they've gotten rid of their talking dis- dishwasher, which is voiced by the amazing Christian Scholl, who I just adore. <laughs> yes. And they get rid of her because she's demanding that she doesn't pay as much rent because she only occupies that one little corner of the kitchen. So it's very rude to ask her to uh, t- <laughs> to pay as much as they do. And she's starting to sing. And it says it's very mean to try and uh, insist that they pay more. And then suddenly it just cuts to her being taken outside and saying, oh, fuck you. <laughs> yep. Then they audition a whole lot of uh, flatmates to come along. And then suddenly Zach goes all blurry <laughs> as if they're on a Skype call or a Zoom call. And uh, his internet connection is starting to play up, which is funny, by the way, because on the day they did press for this show, they all appeared on Mark's Twitch channel. And Zach started experiencing technology problems. (laughs) (laughs) So reality imitated art. But yeah, basically, the sketches, the weirdness, the randomness of this show just suits my sense of humor to a T. And it's reinvigorated my love for comedy. And it gave me a a great big laugh during, you know, this has been one hell of a serious, tough year. Oh, definitely. And I'm just, I was so relieved that I found something that, Really, it brought huge chuckles out of me. It was brilliant. Mm, yeah, it's definitely a a big old fresh house of hit fun. of air uh, this year. Yeah. Just you know, like it's been such a comedyless year. Yeah. Um, in terms of what I usually get up to in a year, which is a lot of comedy, whether oh, yeah. it be performing or going to see stuff or like working in shows. So to have a show like this come out, mm. that is. Uh, yeah, just some of the best that Australian comedy has to offer. It's mm. like, God, great. It's up there. And, like, it's trending and, like, Netflix pretty much all over the world, oh, yeah. or at least it was in the first week. So, yeah, it's great to see everyone enjoying it. Because, yeah, it's fantastic. There's so many guests. Homelander's there. Tawny Newson shows up. Uh, Stray Man, thank you very much. Yeah, that's right. Stray Man. It's great. It's a great moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and the great thing about it is... Sometimes their approach to comedy drives me up the wall because they like to get a joke and then they like to push the joke and push the joke and push the joke and push the joke. Yep. <laughs> Basically, it's all about repetition. And sometimes that works in the way that it's funny, that it's not funny, but then it gets funny again. Mm. Or it starts off not funny and then it gets funny because you're like, yeah, whatever, I'll just laugh. But also, they do that within two minutes usually, two to three minutes. So if you don't like one of the jokes that they're pushing, in a few minutes' time, you're going to have another one that you do like. Yeah. So it usually works for me. Definitely. I do want to say there is a very serious note in this that I we should acknowledge collectively as consumers of pop culture, and we need to write to IMDb to make sure they correct this mistake. <laughs> but this show uh, was filmed in America a lot, and they picked up an American executive producer by the name of Egg Helms. Mm. And um, disgustingly, for a long time, we've all been misled by his IMDb page, which says Ed Helms. And I just want to say I've referred to him as Ed before, and I want to retract that, and I'll forever know him as Egg Helms. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, two thumbs up. It's really good. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Two thumbs up. Watch it now, <laughs> and then watch it again. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, just watch it a couple times. It's like two hours long, so two stage shows. If you've seen their stuff before, some of it's in a stage show. Quite <laughs> a few sketches that they return to, stuff that they never really filmed um, is in there, but then they just like update it a lot as well, which is great. 
Yeah, they update it. It's got a budget. Like the, <laughs> I loved Broden as Ellen. Yes, <laughs> that is a great. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! The stage version of that was great, and uh, but I think this one's particularly better. So yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Check it out. Give it a watch. It's good stuff. I love other things like the start of an episode. They set up what the concept's going to be, which is that the queen's going to come over, and they need to get the house ready for her, and they go. <gasps> And then it pauses for a bit, and then Brody goes, are you going to cut? And I, just, I love breaking the fourth wall. There's so many, like, running jokes that you don't realize are running jokes yes. until just something happens, and you're like, oh, you've been setting that up this whole time. Yeah. Like, the bleeping, whenever they swear, they've got to bleep it out, of course. It's, a, you know, it's American audience. All right. Um, <laughs> except it gets more and more out of sync the further you get into the it first does. three episodes. <laughs> it it's great. And, um... I love it the way they acknowledge on TV. You could work around the fact that there are three of them and you could have one dressed up as an outrageous character and then one dressed up as just Zach Brody or Mark. Mm. But they bring in a, 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 um, a mannequin, like a shop window dummy, and put their clothes on them and so they can remain in costume as the other ridiculous character. And they don't mention it most of the time until there's one sketch where... Um, Zach just looks up and realizes, wait, what the fuck is that? And then yeah. gets back to it. I love that sort of thing as well. Yeah, it's great. It's really good stuff. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. If you liked, uh, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson last year, which was another sketch comedy show on Netflix, which was um, directed by Kiva from Lonely Island. Ah. If you liked that show, uh, this is the same sort of thing. So you're gonna, you're definitely going to enjoy it. Nice. Uh, so check it out. And if you haven't seen I Think You Should Leave, check out I Think You Should Leave. It's great. I think it's I should It's really check good. Out it's much shorter. <laughs> the episodes are like 10 minutes, I think. Oh, wow. So it's a lot shorter, but it's also very, very good. So yeah, check out these two shows. They're good stuff. Well, I'm going to check that one out because this was good. Yeah, you'll like it. You'll definitely like it. I've got to say, I've been on the edge of checking out Auntie Donna for a long time. And then I thought, Oh, they've got a new show out. If I'm not going to check them out now, I'm probably never going to check them out. And I'm glad I did because I've been missing out on some really good Aussie comedy. Yeah. Actually, scratch that. Just good comedy in general, but it's great to support Aussies. Definitely. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> our industries get a rough time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although it's really nice that Marvel's starting to film most of their stuff here. So thanks, Marvel. Pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much everything. Shang-Chi just finished. Thor Love and Thunder's just started. Yeah, so I'm I'm really happy. Yeah, well. Also, Liam Neeson's down in Melbourne filming something right now. Oh, is he? He is. <laughs> it's probably another action movie that's... It, is. it absolutely is another action movie. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be another action movie filled with 17 cuts as he tries to jump over a fence, but they want to hide the fact that he's, you know... Oh, yeah. He's Liam Neeson age now, which... Oh. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I love that he's still no. doing it, but they need to work on their filmmaking around that. <laughs> he's only eight years older than Tom Cruise, so honestly, I think he should step up his game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Tom Cruise is a little bit obsessed on trying to remain young, and uh, anyway, <laughs> I love both of them. They're actually great for, for what they bring to the roles. <laughs> yeah. No, big fan of them both. Alrighty, uh, have you got anything else? Because I've got a fair bit, so... I do actually have three more things, so maybe I'll... So, <laughs> I guess 
recently, uh, well, over on Oldie But a Goodie, we have been talking about 1984, and a movie that came out in 1984 is called 1984, and it came out during 1984, uh, but we're not doing it on the, sh- on the podcast talking about 1984. So I'm on this podcast right now to talk about 1984, not the year, the, the movie 1984. Okay. Um, I also read the, read the book. 1984, yes. which didn't come out in 1984. It came out in 1948. So, yeah. I think my my brain just got crinkled. <laughs> the book's a classic, but I've got criticisms. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> That's the review. Okay. What's the other things you've been consuming? Uh, no, look, it's hard to criticize the book because it's obviously something that I think everyone should read. Yes. But... I really didn't care about a lot of the stuff that was going on in it. <laughs> like, the world building, phenomenal. The world that he writes, fantastic. Yeah. I think maybe it could have been 100 pages shorter. I like Animal Farm a lot, because it's a short little satire, and you don't really have to care about any of the characters. In this, the book really asks you to care a lot about the characters, and I just, just don't. Yeah. <laughs> just really don't. <laughs> just don't do it, no. I don't think it's because they're badly written. Well, maybe he, maybe it is. Maybe it is because the characters are <laughs> not very well written. Yeah. Because that is the thing with a lot of books back then, I find. is like the concept's fantastic. Character work really, really could be better. So, you know, that's something that has improved with time, perhaps. But also that could just be because it's asking you to relate to a character who's, you know, <laughs> in the 40s. <laughs> I don't get this. Smoking? What is this? <laughs> That's the least of the worries, but yeah, smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Then I saw the movie. Uh, It was pretty good. One of the reasons we're not doing it on the podcast is because Zach hasn't read the book. And do not watch the movie if you haven't read it. Okay. Because you are not going to have any idea what's going on. (laughs) Uh, They explain nothing, which I kind of love. But then at the same time, I'm like, you really are just kind of expecting the entire world to have read the book. So like... Dune, then. <laughs> yeah, because the book has a lot of exposition in it. Mm. They've just cut out of the movie. Like, you open and you're like, okay, there's John Hurt. He's doing his job. But they never tell you what the job is in the movie. They never tell you what it is that he does. They just kind of expect you to know that he's there basically rewriting history. That's that's his job. Uh, but they, they, they don't tell you in the movie. <laughs> They never tell you. I didn't know the Murdoch Press was around back then. What? Yeah. <laughs> was it? I mean, he's pretty old. It probably he probably True. was around in the forties. It could have been. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, the movie is pretty well made. But I find it kind of amazing that it came out, and it feels like so much stuff is missing because there's just no exposition. Yeah, they explain nothing. So it relies on the fact that the book is such a classic and almost, you know, prescribed to everyone to read, Mm. but to the point where it's detrimental to its own self if you haven't read it. I think so. Interesting. They make a couple changes, Yeah, couple changes in the third act, which I think I preferred maybe Mm. in the context of a movie where you are following characters rather than events yeah because that's the thing with the book as well is that yeah because i didn't really care about the characters too much i was following events so it's like you're going from one event to another event 
with the movie, you're kind of, yeah, you're more following the character arcs themselves and the changes that they made, Mm. I think, suited those arcs a bit better. Uh, And obviously, like, it looks incredible. They completely, like, remade the London, I guess. And it looks great. It looks great. John Hurt, obviously incredible. Oh, yeah. One of the actors of his generation. Oh, he really is. Yeah, Yeah, no, he really was. Just everything he's, like, I've never seen him... Well, actually, have I seen him in a bad thing? I don't think so. <laughs> He's just very good. So either he had good taste, or you've had good taste so far and haven't seen one of his bad movies. Yeah. I mean, you could say that the show Merlin is a bit messy. <laughs> well, it's a tricky one because it tr- it didn't have the best concept to aim at the whole family. So it skewed young but wanted to tell older stories Yeah, for an older audience, I think. It was a bit... It's a strange show, that one. Um, <laughs> I didn't mind it, but yeah, it is strange. It reminds me a lot of Star Wars Rebels, actually. Oh. Merlin. In that, like, it's quite dark for a kid's show, mm. but then there's also so many filler episodes that are just oh, yeah. kid episodes that you're not going to get anything out of. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> if you're not a kid, so yeah. Um, so, I'm not going to write the book. Okay. Because I don't think... You can, yeah, because it's obviously a classic, and I think a very important book that everyone should read. Because mm. it's not the hardest read. Well, I read Dune this year, so it's obviously <laughs> not the hardest book to read. <laughs> but, but like to compare it to Dune, everyone says that's one of the greatest books of all time. I'm like, yeah. eh, it's okay. <laughs> this should be considered in that list. It's okay. just I've got some problems with it. Looking at it now yep. almost 80 years later being like eh, the characters are you know <laughs> i think you're allowed to criticize it i think you're holding back from criticizing the characters and that sort of thing but sometimes classics aren't that great yeah i'm gonna say it <laughs> happens yeah happens i mean that's shakespeare hack <laughs> oh <clears throat> those seven people that wrote all his plays <laughs> exactly <laughs> Stealing credit from Francis Bacon. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think I give the movie one thumb up. It's pretty good. Okay. But only watch it if you've read the book. Only watch it if you've read the book. Okay. Because it... Yeah. (laughs) They they give you nothing. Mm. They give you nothing. Uh, What's something else that you've got on your list, though? Well, uh, for those of you who do not know, I have been on Twitch for about a month now, maybe more. And uh, in that time, I played Spider-Man PS4, and I didn't realize, but it was in the lead-up to Spider-Man Miles Morales. (laughs) Yeah. So I finished Spider-Man PS4 for, I think this is the fourth time I played that game. Mm. (laughs) And I love it. It's just, that is such a good game. And uh, I've started Miles Morales. I think I've done about uh, eight or nine hours into it, I think. Yeah, okay. Which is a pretty big stretch. I don't think... There's not too much more to the game. It's not the biggest game. Yeah, from what I've read, it's about nine hours long. The story, I think. Yeah. So if you're doing all the side stuff, that's probably yeah an extra four, five, yeah. I've been doing a fair bit of side stuff. But yeah, it's really good. Uh, even on a PS4 Pro, I don't have a PlayStation 5. I think you and I have talked about it a few times, but <clears throat> I'm going to hold back on getting a PS5 for a while. Yeah. But it still runs wonderfully on a PS4 Pro. Still looks gorgeous, mm-hmm. and I love these two games. These might be two of my favorite games of all time. And 
two of the best versions of Spider-Man, not even just the two different Spider-Man characters, but just like two great Spider-Man stories so far. They're really good. I'm really enjoying them. I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to spoil Miles Morales for those who haven't Mm. been playing it or haven't been watching streams or stuff like that. But if you loved Spider-Man PS4, you're getting more of the same great stuff with some additional like fresh characters that we haven't seen the story of a lot because we have seen a lot of Peter Parker, as much as I love Peter Parker, except for the new face in this one. I don't like the new face. Anyway. Yeah. It's great to see some Miles Morales stuff. Like, I haven't... Uh, he's got some friends and quote-unquote sidekicks. I love that way it's become offensive to call them sidekicks these days, but anyway, he's got... <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> he's got people who help him out and good friends and stuff like that who I hadn't heard of before because I haven't read Miles Morales comics. I've read some yeah. Peter Parker Spider-Man comics, but not Miles Morales ones, so it's been really fun to get an introduction to them. That's cool. Uh, and they're really cool characters. So, uh... Yeah, good game. Uh, I'd definitely recommend it to people who can get their hands on it. I'm having mm. a lot of fun. Excellent. Um, yeah, yeah, I am excited to check it out. I've been holding back just because I think I'll probably get it when Christmas sales are on. So. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I wonder if the much. price is down so. because of Black Friday sales. Oh, yeah. I think they're going until the 30th. I'll have to check the yeah, the PlayStation store for that. But um one thing that I have seen, the only thing I've seen of the game is that they have included the Spider-Verse costume oh, yeah. and also they've changed the frame rate so you look yeah. like you're in the Spider-Man the the Spider-Verse thing. On Spider-Man himself, on your your character they've changed the frame rate, which is genius. <laughs> it's so good. It's very good, <laughs> yeah. And you could apply that effect not just to that suit but to all the others as well. It's a oh. suit enhancement. Like um, in the first game, you can have you know unlockable things like that. You can apply it to the other suits as well. So that's a fun little addition. Okay, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and on the subject of gaming, uh, because The Last of Us Part Two swept the boards at the Golden Joystick Awards, I kind of went back and played a bit of The Last of Us Part Two over the last few days. <laughs> I love that game. I've said it so many times. We reviewed it for two episodes in a row, it feels like. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> But it's great. I will be honest, I've been playing it with some cheats on. Ooh. I mean, extras. And I've just been bloodthirsty as opposed to playing stealth. I've just got unlimited ammo unlocked. So I just rush in there and I just blast people away. <laughs> Stuff <laughs> like that. And it's kind of uh, scary how uh, addictive the gore in this is. Because <laughs> I've, I've seen people's heads blown almost clean off because of what I've yeah. been doing. <laughs> wow. Ignoring that side of it, I just think it's one of the best stories that I've seen. Uh, it's nuanced. It It's not afraid to go to some very dark places. And uh, amazing performances. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Oh, and I kind of wish I'd left this to the last thing that I'm going to talk about because it's got um, Ian Alexander in it and uh, they play Lev. And yes, yes. They also are in Star Trek Discovery, but I've got one more thing to mention. What about you? Have you got something to mention before we go to that? Uh, yeah, I do have something to mention. Oh, actually, I've got two. I'm just going to say episode five of The Mandalorian season two, which we don't talk about on this show because you guys are covering it on the other one, might be the best episode of television I've seen this year. It's so good. Oh, wow. That's a big call. <laughs> nice. All right. It's it's a very big call. I will be honest, though. I'm the kind of person who gets hyped about something, especially something like Star Wars, which I've been obsessed with all my life. And then I go back and I realize, well, it was exciting. It might not be the best made thing out there. Mm. But I think this is. This is uh, Dave Filoni's second live-action thing, and it's his best live-action thing. I'll say that much. It's well-directed. Okay. But it's also just a very exciting story for a Star Wars fan, and it's just it's very good. Yeah, I'm excited, yeah. You talk about your uh, 
your other thing, and then I've got one more thing to talk about before we get into Star Trek. Kill. Eh, well, I don't have too much to say about these two things, uh, but they are two... Oh, I guess it's probably time for a segment. Oh. Because they do fall under that category. Oh, ho, ho, ho. is this a segment we haven't had in a while? Yeah, we haven't had this for quite a while, Ooh. and it is episode 30, so usually the entire episode would be dedicated to this, but eh, maybe next time. True. <laughs> We've spiced things up in terms of not spicing it up. <laughs> no. Yes? Yeah. Uh, Star Trek. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me get this straight. You're saying that I can do weird movies with Sandro. Exactly. That's exactly what we're doing. Hell yeah. Two movies, two foreign language, foreign production movies uh, have come out. One was on Netflix. One was on Shudder. Um, (laughs) Weirdly enough, the movie that was on Netflix felt more like a trashy Shudder film. The one that was on Shudder felt more like a nice award-winning movie that would be on Netflix. They were kind of swapped around. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, The one on Shudder, I'll talk about that first because it's... Now, is it Shudder or Shutter? Pretty sure it's Shudder. Okay, because I've heard people talking about it, mainly Americans, and I always thought they were just doing that, you know, soft T of (laughs) Shudder, like Americans do, but it's actually... Never mind. (laughs) Well, it is spelt Shudder. Yeah. Anyway, Shudder is an American over-the-top subscription service. Over-the-top? What does that mean? Uh, I was going to make a really timely joke about somebody we keep mentioning a lot, but I've forgotten his uh, last name. Huh. Ryan Murphy. Oh, right. <laughs> it's the Ryan Murphy channel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's good that joke. would have been so good if I'd been able to deliver it properly. That's a, that's a good joke. It's <laughs> a good joke. <laughs> And Over the Top is a streaming media service that offers directly to viewers via the internet. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. We all learned something today. How about that? We do. So, yeah, the movie on Shadur, Shadur. is a film that uh, I've heard about quite a bit. It was uh, selected as the Guatemalan entry for Best International Film at the Oscars. Uh, also did some awards at TIFF last year so it's been on my radar for a while mm. uh, and that is la Llorona, also known as the weeping woman not to be confused by the conjuring spin-off the curse of la Llorona, i think it's called but it was called something else in australia the curse of the weeping lady or something yeah. <laughs> because in conjuring 2 i think they mentioned the la Llorona myth and so they made a movie out of it. It's bad, because mm. all the Conjuring sequels are bad, aside from the one that's directed by the guy that did Shazam. Oh, nice. They're all bad, aside from that one. That was pretty good. Can I just backtrack a little bit? Mm. You mentioned Tiff, and every time I hear that, it, I just think of somebody sneezing. A Tiff! Yeah. Tiff. <laughs> the Toronto International Film Festival. Yes. Tiff. <laughs> Tiff. I think that as well. I always find it weird calling festivals... By their acronyms, because it always ends with F. Yes. So it was like, Mikaf. Mikaf. <laughs> or Mif. <laughs> for the film yeah. festival. Yeah. It's all, yeah, it's it's always like that. Um, but TIFF is probably the best one, I think. Yeah. I, I like TIFF, TIFF a lot. <laughs> or if you don't agree about which, fil- which film won the best picture at the at TIFF, hmm. you can have a TIFF about it. Yeah. Exactly. That's true. All right, I'll stop That's interrupting. True. I just, it's <laughs> something I've always had in mind, and I just wanted to go on record and mention that. Yeah. No, it is... Yeah, that's a good thing to bring up. <laughs> so, La La Rona, Guatemalan movie. Very low budget. Yeah. Is it horror? I went into it thinking it would be because it was on Shudder, but I would say it, it's drama. 
but it's directed like a horror, but it's drama. Oh, right. It's not horror. Yeah. It's one of those, 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 it's an arty movie. It was at TIFF. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's about this guy who was a Guatemalan dictator in the eighties. Uh, he murdered a lot of people and everyone hates him. Oh. He's on trial for the genocide that he committed as the dictator but oh how much do i want to say <laughs> so he's so he's on trial and there's a lot, a lot of protests about him he's trying to sleep in his in his house while the trial's going on but there's constantly people outside yelling and that's the soundtrack for most of the movie is set in the house with just a protest outside so for most of the movie there's just like this underlying tension of there are so many people outside just yelling <laughs> and it's 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 quite distressing um and very very well done but basically creepy stuff starts happening because if you you don't know the curse of la Llorona, the curse of the weeping woman is a real spooky and spooky stuff very similar to said myth mm. might be happening in his house but also it's just an allegory really <laughs> what <laughs> yeah it was a tiff film it's very good it's really really good awesome incredibly directed the tensions high the entire time great performances uh you mainly focus on his daughter um, who, because he's also very sick at this point, so he's there with his wife and his daughter, um, and then also his granddaughter. So you've kind of got like the three generations there, and they don't like him. Like <laughs> no one likes him, but they're they're like, well, he's quite old. We technically should be helping him out. He's going through trial while also being quite sick, and also creepy stuff is happening. So they are there to support him, but they don't like him. Uh, and the performances there are fantastic. Uh, it's super well directed. Uh, there aren't really too many scares because again, this is a drama directed as a horror. But there are some moments where it's a diff- film. <laughs> yes, but there are moments where, like, you'll notice something in the corner of a frame and be like, oh, what's going to happen there? And uh, you kind of get a little bit of goosebumps. You're like, what's going to happen here? Ooh. It's very, very well directed. I've never seen anything that the director has done before, yeah. uh, but I reckon he's going to he's going to to go a long, a long way. Um, and I'm very excited to see what else he does. I think uh, the last film he did, which was in 2015, was also selected for the guatemalan entry at the oscars so i want to check that one out as well because um yeah he's really good it's a good movie it's very good quite short uh and yeah it's on shutter so if you've got that just check it out if you like you know arty films hmm. if you like and if you don't like films. arty films but you <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and if you don't like arty films but you want to watch something that's in another language you are that mm, interesting head over to netflix <laughs> Yeah, head over to the Netflix. You've, you've got a very specific taste as well, by the way. You've got a very specific taste. You don't want to read subtitles. No. But, like, that's usually the case. You want to watch something, like, kind of fun, and so you're like, no subtitles. You say the subtitles for the stuff that you've got to think. If you want to switch off but also read subtitles, <laughs> check out a Polish movie called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight. 
It, for some reason, dropped at the start of November on Netflix. I don't know why, I just thought it sort of, Can you hear the love? Oh. <laughs> no one sleeps <laughs> in the woods tonight. That's kind of what I thought when I first saw the title as well. It's a weird title, but like it's translated from Polish, so you know. Yeah. It's this Polish movie which is very, very unlike any polish movie i've seen before i haven't seen too many mm-hmm. polish films but every polish film that i have seen is very similar to la la rona it's quite uh low budget quite arty this is not that at all mm. um i think it is quite low budget but it it's not arty in the slightest it's just fun it's just ridiculous fun <laughs> so it's about a whole bunch of teens and they're all addicted to, to, to their phones and so they're all sent to a to a camp <laughs> teens am i right <laughs> <laughs> they're all sent to a camp out in the woods and there's also uh, 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 some cannibals these two cannibal people and it's one's played by Alan Tudyk the other one's played by <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly though like that's the thing about this movie is it's not trying to pretend like it's original there's nothing original about this movie every single scene every setup Every scare, every kill is... You've seen it before. There's even a moment where there's someone in, in a sleeping bag and one of these, like, giant cannibal mutant things <laughs> picks up the sleeping bag and just, like, whacks it against a tree. That's in Friday the 13th. <laughs> like, they've stolen all of these stuff and just put it in the movie. Mm. Yet, weirdly enough, it doesn't feel cheap. It's one of the only times that I've seen this happen, probably since Stranger Things, where it does feel like an homage. It feels more like it's there to be like, we're just having fun. We're making something because we were really inspired by things that we liked when we were kids. It's a lot of fun. It's a really fun movie. The makeup design for the two cannibal uh, mutant things is excellent. They look fantastic. Pretty much all the movie looks fantastic. It's shot really well. Mm. It's very bright for a lot of it. There's a lot of colours. It's funny how that kind of, in my mind... Yeah, yeah. If you can afford to do a bright scene properly, then you know what you're doing. You've got the equipment to handle a bright scene. It's kind of funny how that, for me, equals more of a budget. Yeah, I was thinking that while I was like watching it as well. I was like, this, this seems like... a pretty large budget yeah. for a polish movie it must be because it, it feels like they're not trying to hide anything in the dark they're willing to show it all mm. right there in front of you exactly yeah yeah uh yeah look it's just a lot of fun if you like these sort of movies i would say check this one out um it's on netflix it's like an hour and a half you'll just watch it in an evening like have some fun with it uh, it's not it's not particularly great if i would have read it it would probably be a schmear mm. but i think it's good fun and it's a weird movie because once you see the makeup for those two cannibal mutants... I think I might have done in the trailer. I just kind of hovered my cursor over it on Netflix. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. They look pretty funny. They look very weird. That guy you first see kind of looks like Tommy Lee Jones, too. Yeah. Actually, he does. He's got the same kind of cragged face. It really does. Yeah. And Edward James Olmos in uh, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, two weird movies there. La La Rona, two thumbs up. Nobody sleeps in the woods. You know what? One thumb up. Screw oh, it. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Nice. Um, sure, you've got to read subtitles in a fun movie, but, um, yeah, I'm fine with that. So check it out. That's no fun. <laughs> yeah, 
I don't want to read. No, anyway, what else lazy. have we got? <laughs> Alrighty, I've got. Uh, here's something I never thought I'd actually watch because I was going to save it until I caught up with the other CW shows, but I saw the first three episodes of Batwoman. Oh, nice. Yeah. I recently got my hands on. Uh, I'm sharing an account uh, on Binge, which is a streaming service here ah, in Australia. Yes. And Batwoman is on there. And it is the most CW show of the superhero shows on the CW. Oh, no. I don't mean that necessarily as an entirely bad thing, but it's... Hmm, how to describe it? (laughs) Melodramatic. Oh. It'd be like someone you've seen a relationship grow between two people, and then there's a breakup, and you would care, and you would be upset. It's like they want you to care about these characters you've just met, and there's a flashback to their breakup. Mm-hmm. And there are flashbacks in it, so it's very much a CW superhero show. <laughs> <laughs> but Ruby Rose is pretty good. Oh, there's my dog barking. And the door's open, so it's pretty loud. <laughs> Ruby Rose, pretty good. Okay. I mean, a lot of the stuff I've seen her in, the reason why her performance works is because she does a lot of the stunts herself. Yeah. She's quite involved in that side of things, so... I can see how something maybe just based off her performance is a bit, meh. Yeah, I'd, I'm not too sure. I don't think I like Kate Kane. Oh, okay. She's actually a very selfish character. Yeah. So I think that might be part of why I'm a little bit standoffish. She's selfish and then tries to act like a an emotionally hurt victim. Um, uh, but yeah, it's um, it's got... Um, do you remember the episode Hyde of Doctor Who? The one called Hyde? The ghost kind of story? The... Yeah, the spooky house. The spooky one. house one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember the male doctor in that? Like the or the scientist? Uh, I'm looking it up. <laughs> Dougal. I've forgotten his last name. Never mind. It's. Oh yeah, it's the one that ended with the, the two running trees. Off. Yeah. 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 I remember this episode. It's got that guy is Kate's dad in this. So there was a nice little uh, connection to Doctor Who there. Oh um. Dugray Scott? Dugray, yes, Dugray Scott. Yeah, yeah. He's good. I he like him good. in um one of the only good things about Mission Impossible 2. Is him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's good in this too. Um it's yeah. the relationship between him and Kate is what's interesting me at the moment. Okay. A lot of it is very it's like it's season 3 of a show. So you should uh... care about these people already, but you just kind of don't. And it's very formulaic already mm. well did you see the you saw the introduction of batwoman didn't you i actually haven't i'm quite far behind on these cw shows oh okay i can't remember what crossover that was was it elseworlds i think it was elseworlds yeah okay because they cross into her world i don't think he was in that actually they didn't set anything up for batwoman and okay. it was just tissues so actually never mind you don't need to watch it i feel like they're keeping that, that going yeah <laughs> But yeah, I don't hate it. It's not terrible, because I don't hate any of them, really. They they get their down moments in season four of... Uh, actually, no, I did hate season four of Arrow. I'm sorry. Uh, season four yeah, of Arrow was. just wasn't good. No. But uh, it just it feels like you know all the beats that are going to happen because it's a CW superhero show. Mm. But the cast are great, and it's it's actually like um like Titans is the same team, almost, the same production team but it's got a different feel mm. it's shot differently than the other cw shows so that's really cool that's good oh and blake neely the composer 
very cleverly sneaks in some Dark Knight pieces in there of music. Oh, that's, that's cool. But slightly reworks them, but you think of certain tracks from the Dark Knight mm. soundtrack. Yeah, which world does this take place in? Is this in a different, separate? It seems like it is. Okay. I'm not sure. Like, it'll be Earth something else instead of... Yeah, because there's Flash, Arrow, and Legends, in one and Supergirl separate, so this must be yeah separate to those two. I then. think it is, yeah. Okay. But still, it's it's different cinematography, different... feels like a different budget. It's just used differently, though. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. I think they also film it slightly differently because, obviously, with Arrow, they're churning them out almost week by week, which is yeah. impressive and impossible and crazy, and hats off to you all. But sometimes it shows. Mm. But in this, I feel like it's a little bit more thought out. They might have a bit of a delay so they can get the shots thought out a bit better. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so... I'm going to watch some more, but I kind of feel a bit bad watching more of this and not actually catching up to when it's meant to be debuting. (laughs) So we'll see how I go with that. But there's just so much to watch of the uh, CW shows. It seems like they're really wrapping them all up as well. I mean, Supergirl is ending more for personal reasons, but also I think that has just kind of come to an end on its own as well. Black Lightning was cancelled. Oh, was it? Yeah, just the other day as well. Oh, I missed that. Oh. May maybe they'll they'll probably end Flash soon. I feel like that's been going on for like a decade now. I mean, always ha- it almost has. Almost, yeah. Do you know what they should do? Mm. They should just have. Oh, well, they've still got Star Girl going. Probably. I mean, maybe we'll see what. Oh yeah, is that is that separate? I think that's separate as well. I don't know. I think it is separate, but they should. Kind of like do a, not a Justice League TV show, but a Justice Society. So you can have members of the, you know, you could have Flash and Supergirl occasionally pop up in that, but they could just do one show at a time instead of yeah. all these spin-offs. Although I think Legends of Tomorrow is actually still going strong in terms of viewing figures and the kinds of stories they can tell. Yeah, Legends is probably the only one that I would continue watching past Crisis. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I want to finish Arrow. Yeah. No, like with Supergirl, that's a great show as well, it is. actually. I really like Supergirl. Plus, I adore Melissa Benoist. She's an amazing individual. Yeah. So maybe it's just Flash that I won't keep watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You won't keep watching the Iris West show. <laughs> no, look, I, I'm going to catch up with all of them at some point. There's just a lot to do. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, so three episodes in, it does feel like it's got a lot of promise, but it also mm-hmm. feels like they've kind of been planning it for a long time and getting invested with the characters and have kind of forgotten to help us get invested in these characters along the way. Yeah. They're really affectionate towards these characters, obviously, and they mean a lot to them, but they, I don't know if they've got the balance quite right just yet mm-hmm. to have us care for them. Yeah. And I don't mind if Kate is actually a selfish character. That's a cool take to have the main character be a bit selfish. Yeah. It's, but it's, it would be interesting as well watching it from the standpoint of she's only here for a season and then she's gone. Yeah, well, <laughs> I I was thinking about that. Uh, we'll see how that yeah. goes. But yeah, uh, I'd say check it out. But also that means check out all the other CW shows, especially Early Arrow. That is the bomb. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. So, shall we get on to another show that sometimes feels like a CW show? Yes. Sometimes. Star Trek Discovery Season 3, 
Episodes 5, 6, 7. Yeah. Diatrine, Scavengers, and Unification Part 3. Yeah. And uh, people were, might be a bit confused about where the other two parts are, like I was, but a friend of mine figured out they're in Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to go through chronologically and talk about... I, yeah, I guess we three? can kind of go through... Yeah. <laughs> what about the synopsis you had for episode five? <laughs> episode... <laughs> <laughs> what was it again? Die trying. <laughs> That's right, die trying. They go to... They, they finally find the Federation after the end of... of Episode four. Yep. They know where the Federation is now. So they go there, they look at everything, and they're like, wow. Spaceship. <laughs> it's the Voyager. <laughs> it's really awkward. It's awkward because it's just exposition not done properly, not done well. Mm. They do it well in two episodes' time after this, actually. But Yes, they do. In this, they arrive at Federation, and it's kind of like Wakanda in space, because they drive through a shield, and they can't see much, and then once they get through the shield, they go, oh, yeah. look at that ship over there. That could sleep 1,000, no, 2,000 crew. <laughs> and that one doesn't have its nacelles attached to the rest of the ship. Where do they yeah. keep the warp core, I wonder? God. Oh, dear. It's, it's so... I don't mean any offense to these characters or these, I mean, these actors, because I, I genuinely love this cast. They seem like lovely human beings and they're yeah. very talented. Oh yeah. But even they couldn't make that dialogue seem natural. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it was pretty messy writing at the start there, but I think, I think that episode really does kind of level out because oh, yeah. we're introduced to some great new characters in the Federation. Well, mm. mainly just one that being the, uh, the leader. I think he's great. The Admiral. Yeah. I don't know. The actor's name, I don't have it in front of me, but he's very good. I don't either, but I was fascinated. He's uh, from, oh, where was it? Israel, originally. Um, oh, yeah. I thought he had a great accent. I thought he, weirdly, like, I don't want to sound presumptive here, but he had, had elements of, like, a French accent, but speaking English, but it's oh, yeah. Israeli speaking English. And, yeah, he's great. I think he's really good. He is good. Got so much character in his face, just like his very soulful face. Great for acting. Uh, but eventually, they realize that they've got to uh, get some seeds to have. They've got to go on a mission. Yeah, <laughs> they've got to do a mission. They do a mission. It's quite good. Uh, it's quite security good. officer Nan is is not left behind. She kind of takes a leave of absence from the crew. She's going to go off and do her own thing for a bit, which is a shame because I think that she was one of the better um, newer characters of the season she was there a little bit last year yeah she's kind of going off to do her own thing and michael's been uh <laughs> very rebellious michael's been michael yeah oh yeah and also david cronenberg's there for some reason i was about to say yes <laughs> david cronenberg as david cronenberg is in it's <laughs> <laughs> just there yeah. like two minutes he does the job again he might later we'll see yeah it was a Pretty, we spent yeah quite a while talking about it when we first recorded this in the first attempt of this recording yeah it was a pretty good episode i thought the first maybe 
10 minutes weren't great, but then when you started to get into the mission, I thought it was quite good. Hmm. But really, this is where the cracks in Michael are starting to show, <laughs> and her arc this season. Uh, we'll get more into it, particularly yeah. with episode 7, but... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, she's Sonequa Martin-Green's fantastic but the right they don't know what they're doing with this character not anymore they did they have no idea what they're doing she was like the heart of the show she was the core of the show Sonequa Martin-Green can play that perfectly she's just yeah. outstanding but they've kind of lost their way with Michael yet they make the show about yeah. Michael yeah which could be a problem it feels yeah the... she's annoying <laughs> she's annoying <laughs> And a lot of that is, like, her arc this season is, mm. oh, I spent a year away from the Discovery. I don't know if this is my thing anymore. But the problem is we didn't see that year. No. We only, All we saw was she rescued some space squid things with Book. Yeah. And then that's it. We cut to a year later for her. So, like, unless they do a flashback episode, yeah. which would be awesome, but I don't think they would. We're over halfway through the season at this point. It'd be annoying if they did now, actually. Maybe it would. Imagine if the two-parter, episodes oh. 10 and 9 <laughs> and 10, are just a flashback. Ugh. They haven't shown us how she's changed, so we don't believe that she's changed. Yeah. From a performance standpoint, she was happier for a little while, <laughs> and that's about it. Well, I just don't get it, because I would honestly be this is just me, I'd be clingy, not distant, if I got the thing that I've been wanting for a year, which is my surrogate family, basically, on board mm. the starship, who I've saved their life, they've saved my life, we're very affectionate towards each other. I'd be clingy, not, oh, I don't really even want to be here, actually. I've changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, again, and also, and this was made more prevalent in episode seven, because a big part of that was her mum's back and there's this whole confrontation that they have where she brings up the fact that like yeah you've been disobeying orders yeah for years she mentions the start of the show which is you know where she basically did a little mutiny on board got michelle yo killed mm -hmm. uh and despite the fact that they talked to Michelle Yeoh in this episode, oh, yeah. it's a Star Trek thing. <laughs> it's, yeah. um, it just reminded me that, like, at first it reminded me of how far a character has come. I was like, oh, yeah, she was, like, in prison on board Discovery at the start of this show, wasn't she? That was so cool. <laughs> yeah. And then it reminded me, oh, wait, they're doing the same arc. They're just doing the same arc. Yep. It's the same thing, except it's kind of in re reverse where... Instead of starting off the season imprisoned, I feel like she's going to end the show in prison because the stuff that she's been doing is Maybe. like, what are you doing? <laughs> so yeah, I um, that's my review of these three episodes. Is I'm I'm very annoyed at at the writing for <laughs> the main character. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my dog's still barking. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, uh, I hadn't noticed much about that Michael storyline until we had Rob on. Was it last episode or when, whenever we, we had Rob on? Uh, yeah, yeah. I kind of see it. I don't necessarily agree because I also don't agree with either of you that this show gets too emotional. Mm -hmm. I like the emotion in this show I've said before. It's how I've really found a way to really get attached to Star Trek. And I think it's really, really good in that regard. But I do think that 
specifically this season is where it's starting to get a bit messy with the convoluted reasons for Michael being <laughs> emotional and wanting to leave. Yeah. Like there was that line that Rob mentioned where the Federation and Starfleet don't mention Discovery to honour them. And that was convoluted. And it's convoluted in this that Michael... I can't even remember the convoluted reason why she feels like she's distant from you know, Starfleet and why she doesn't belong here in this episode. Because they resolved the fact that I do belong here previously, I thought. Mm. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, but the bits that did work in, I guess, all three... I was. I think we we're gonna. I thought we were gonna go through uh, one at a time, but I guess we could cover all three because for me, Die Trying was the most standard Star Trek episode we've had in a long time for Discovery. Oh yeah, which is a wonderful thing actually. I really liked it. Uh, we went past the cheesy exposition at the start, mm. and we got to really solid concept sci-fi where yeah. this family were in danger and dying. Actually, this race are dying of a certain disease, and they say they could be saved by a ship which contains seeds of every single plant mm. in the galaxy. They they ate a corrupt version of that plant. The seed will obviously be not corrupt or poisoned. Yeah. So they can uh, be cured by it. Mm. But anyway, yeah, I thought it was it was quite a touching episode. I Speaking of convoluted, I did think the story arc with having to leave the security guard was a bit yeah. convoluted. I like her, and maybe that's why I'm annoyed that she's staying. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a nice, strong concept for sci-fi because one of the people was phasing in and out of mm. uh, reality a little bit. Yeah, that was really good. That's why he hadn't died yet. So that was that was really cool. So it really picked up its game. Scavengers, I thought, was great. Mm. It's like a rescue mission and a heist mission. Had a little bit of drama in there and romance in there. Yeah. Between several characters, you've got I was going to call them Lev. Uh, I don't know their name. Like. Set, Ian no, Alexander and Blue. Yeah. Yeah, the, their characters have some scenes together with Stamets as well, which is great. Mm. The, those scenes were, yeah, like considering that so much was going on in that episode, yeah. the fact that those scenes aren't the standout because I quite liked pretty much all of this episode. Yeah. But like those scenes were, were yeah, just fantastic. It softened Stamets so much. It was mm. so... But he was still arrogant at the same time. I loved it. It was so <laughs> yeah, well done. Yeah, exactly. And then he talks to Hugh and it says... It's a moment for him to just remind Hugh how much he loves him. And it's just so sweet. Mm. Like the love stories like that are done really well because it, it reflects uh, different characters' yeah. emotions through other characters. It's a great way to do it as opposed to... Michael Burnham. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> falling in love with every... No. Uh, yeah. I've started noticing it. Like you said, this is where the cracks for Michael start to show a lot. But that being said, I liked when Saru, it was so wonderfully acted between Sonequa Martin-Green and Doug Jones, when the Admiral said, it's up to you, Captain, to decide Mm. the uh, punishment for insubordination. And he demoted her. Just the emotion in the performance was so good. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Like the, the performances, all of them are great in this show. Yeah, it's just yet yeah, the writing can sometimes let them down. Mm. But yeah, the performances are great. the 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 directing in this episode was really good as oh, well because yeah. it's very tense for pretty much all of it. Because they go on this mission to rescue Book, and that whole sequence is so well done. Uh, probably the best action based stuff in the uh, season. Definitely this season. Yeah, 
Yeah, because, like, you got the guy constantly oh. phasing in Diatrine, which was the yeah. best, like, sci-fi yeah. concept this season. But then this is probably, yeah, like, the best action. Actually, episode one had a pretty good... When they were running away from those people when she was drugged. I know you didn't oh, yeah. like her being drugged, but the action in that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was good. That was good. When they introduced the personal teleports, like the portable <laughs> ones, that was really cool. And yeah. he jumped off the cliff... And then teleported them into the water. That that was that was cool. But you know, those two, these this episode and that episode have the two best moments of action. Yeah, definitely. This whole season, I'd agree with that. And then the third one, that was actually good old Star Trek diplomacy. They're often about diplomacy yeah. and discussion, and it was it had some very good references to uh, specifically Leonard Nimoy's Spock. Yes, that was great. Yes. And some Vulcan traditions. Very interesting stuff about Vulcans and Romulans sharing a planet, which was the planet Vulcan, now Navarre. Yeah, Navarre. Which I feel like I feel like we've heard that name before. Um, we may have done, but it's also very similar to Navarro from The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, there is that as well, isn't there? I did add Ro at the end of it in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I quite liked pretty much most of yeah unification. Uh, yeah, I I quite like the diplom diplomacy episodes, but I particularly like the Vulcan diplomacy episodes. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about uh, various cold logic versus emotion. Yeah, that and like their rituals. I find yeah. all that very just I- interesting. Mm. Um, so I quite like that. I did think... Oh, I also liked how this, yeah, reintroduces Michael's mum from the first... From the second season. Yeah. Different actress, I think? I'm not sure if it is a different actress. I'm not... I'm not sure. I don't know. I thought it was a bit convoluted how they got her there. Oh, definitely. A bit quick. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, here's your mum. <laughs> but it was good when she was there. I liked those scenes. It definitely put Michael in her place, which is good. Yeah. I liked how she's joined the um the Kawat whatever their last Kovat or whatever it is the, yeah. the Kov yep uh the they're the ones from Picard too aren't they yeah the Picard people that always take on like lost yeah uh lost causes uh, lost causes yeah. I quite like that she joined them I thought that was cool because I think this episode's written by one of the lead writers of Picard oh, so it was kind of nice to see them cross okay. over a little bit that way yeah. Because that was a some of my fa- favorite stuff in Picard was kind of mm. around this group, which says a lot because you weren't that impressed with Picard, really. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's true. I was though. I like Picard, but you're right. The logic <laughs> of how she ended up there, they <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I loved the scene where the Romulans and Vulcans started questioning each other, mm. and they were still having pretty logical debates going on but they were fighting each other with logic well not not even fighting just discussing it quite calmly and emotionlessly yeah. because they are vulcan um <laughs> but that was really interesting yeah yeah that was good mm. and my the most surprising yet interesting one of the most interesting storylines was saru offering tilly the position of acting first officer until he could find a permanent one yes now now, plot armor is a big thing in TV. You know, characters <laughs> can't die because they're important. Yeah. Uh, this isn't plot armor. No. But more plot logic. <laughs> Tilly 
would be asked to become first officer. I love that she questioned it herself, though. That is what saved it for me as well. Yeah. Because when he offered it, I'll be honest, I went, really? Yeah. Tilly. Saru, Tilly? (laughs) First officer? I thought this is where Giorgio would be proven right, where poor old Saru's kind of like, Leading from the heart could be a good thing, but you do need to think sensibly, and I thought that would lead yeah. to a storyline. It could still do that, actually, but... Yeah, it could. At least she's accepted by the crew, we find out at the end. Yeah. In that position, but it was very interesting, and... Oh, I love Tilly. Yeah. She realises how... Like, she asked, are you asking me because I'm the right person for the job, or are you asking me because I'm... And she goes quiet, and then she says, because I'm submissive. And she knows that about herself. She knows she's quite timid, but she's got a heart of gold. And I just thought, oh, this is why you're wonderful. Yeah, like, it's such an interesting moment Mm. because when it first happened, I went, really? Yeah. Is that just because she's a fan favorite character? But then when she starts to question it herself, it's like, no, this... Is that just because you haven't actually given her much to do this season? And then, yeah, yeah, like, she starts to question it Mm. and you're like, no, this is actually very well written. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's, yeah, some fantastic character moments uh, right at the end as well. Yeah. yeah. As you mentioned, when the crew's on board, um, and Michael as well, when Michael's like... <laughs> did I miss the really cool say yes moment? Yeah, you did. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And again, some great scenes between her and Stamets. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I think is, yep, yeah, every episode... He get some great scenes with one of the crew. So Saru has asked me to be his number one. And then he's like, oh, that's that's interesting. And she asks, so do you think I should do it? And he goes, look, to be honest, the idea of taking orders from you is really weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do like how they don't just put Michael in her place with the commanding officers telling her off. They've got human moments of... Tilly's saying, you know, you put me in a really awkward position. Mm, that was good. I really like that. Uh, not often is that done at the same time. Usually if there's like a, a military or hierarchy-based storyline, you just focus on that as opposed to the emotion of it all. But I like the wording of that line too. You put me in a really awkward position. Yeah. It, it just adds another level to it, I reckon. It's really good. Yeah. I liked how a lot of this episode was just, calling michael up on her shit <laughs> it's like come on michael because um, like michael was the best part of season one and even season two actually yeah yeah definitely i don't know if i liked the resolution of this episode where yeah she basically backed down in the end <laughs> yeah and then they gave her the data that she was after this whole time because she backed down I <laughs> yeah they should have should have kept the story going on where they do communicate with each other and eventually they're like you've been very helpful with us providing us further Mm. information we'll provide you some information as well yeah that was the cw moment i was referring to it was it will yeah it definitely was where the slightly cheesy slightly emotional side of things came in yeah but i liked pretty much everything up until that point and Mm. after that point as well yeah because it looks like book might be staying yeah that yeah i i mean i hope so (laughs) Oh god, yeah. He's not a guest cast member. He's he's here for good. Yeah. So I'd I'd like him to be around more because <laughs> he's very good. I would love it if we get more lines of him complaining about how annoying Starfleet uniform is. But he's in Starfleet uniform. <laughs> yeah, that was very good. That oh, was a good it. part <laughs> of that. Yeah, of, of that arc. So yeah, Unification Three, pretty good. Yeah. I think 
Oh, I don't even know what my favorite is out of these three. Oh, Scavengers for me. I th- yeah, I think I, I think I'll have to agree. Michelle Yeoh was brilliant in that. Oh yes, <laughs> you had me at the unsanctioned mission. <laughs> oh yeah, you had me at unsanctioned mission. <laughs> I love her <laughs> so much. <laughs> and some stuff's going on with her. Is yeah, she gaining memories. Oh yeah, from the Terran. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if she was gaining memories or if it was just like PTSD that were coming back and she'd suppressed them. Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Like it genuinely put them in trouble because she was mm. incapacitated in a fight because she was having a panic attack. Yeah, yeah. Really well done. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, three interesting episodes. Oh yeah, are we actually, sorry, the burn. We really should... Uh, the reason why they went to Vulcan or Navarro, yes. no, not Navarro, Navarre, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was to convince the Vulcans that it wasn't some of their research, because we found out that the Vulcans blamed themselves for the burn and kind of withdrew from the rest of the galaxy yep. out of shame, which is very interesting for a race that tries to be logical and non-emotional. Mm. Yet Michael believes and has quite a strong theory that it wasn't them. And so we discovered, I'm kind of forgetting why it was significant that they were microseconds apart. Um, but the idea was that everything went off at the same time originally. Yeah, I, I think that means that it was planned if they were microseconds apart. It wasn't just like a random, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> and it, But basically the ultimate idea was that oh, it originated from three different ships at different times, not from... Vulcan. Mm. And one of them was called Yelchin as well, which was a nice oh, little nod towards Anton. Yeah. Yelchin. Yeah, yeah. I did notice that at the time. Yeah. Good point. But yeah, so the idea was that it came from those three different ships at different times, not from Vulcan all at the same time. Um, and she was just trying to convince them, basically, it's okay. It wasn't you. Join the Federation again, because that's what the Federation does. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had to say that line again. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I thought that was an interesting storyline. Mm. Here's a weird kind of reversal of season two. She's spending all this time trying to figure out what the burn is. Do you think she might end up traveling back in time and causing the burn unintentionally? Hmm, that would be interesting because, like, she is obsessed with it. She is, yeah. So, yeah, and she might think the only way to find out how to. What happened is try and figure out how to travel back in time again. Mm. Travels back and then accidentally triggers it. <laughs> that would be a. <laughs> that could be the season finale. That could be interesting. I don't know if where that gets us, but yeah, it would be interesting. It, it just in terms of that would be her Moby Dick and like her obsession, etc. Yeah, 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 would be interesting for her character. But in terms of the rest of the season and the rest of the characters, I don't know where that gets us. But yeah, it's just a theory I had while watching this that I'm like, you really are obsessing over that. And you remind us that you've been spending a year obsessing over it too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She has a G. And yeah, like that, I think that is the arc is, yeah, like what caused the burn. Yeah. Which is a very similar to like last year, except they're, they're definitely holding back on the information more, like yeah. which is the mystery. I was going to say mystery box. It's not a mystery box sort no. of thing. It's not like a, you know, like a J.J. Abrams. Or... <laughs> I mean, they got the lens flares. <laughs> What's in the box? What's in the box? Which is every single thing he does. <laughs> you get like that mystery sort of yeah. arc. Uh, which, which, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I don't know why they don't just 
let their amazing technology like uh, reprogrammable matter just replicate a version of the spore drive and just move on from warp technology and have their own spore drives in ships. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you wouldn't even have to worry about the burn and what caused it to happen. Because I assume she wants to figure out what caused the burn so they can avoid it happening again, but have warp speed and the ability to send medical help to those who need it within the Federation yeah. and stay connected and all the benefits of having the warp drives, etc. But why not just use the spore drive? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. They do kind of need to start giving us a little bit more about what the season arc is because it's just confusing at the moment, really. Yeah. I mean, we've only got five episodes left. I think so, yeah. Well, well five stories left because mm. one, yeah, one of them is a two-parter. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, we'll see. Because it is, yeah, it's more of a character arc. Season. Season. Yeah. Which I don't mind, actually. Yeah, no. There was a lot of plot, especially last year, but oh, yeah, the first two seasons, very uh, story-based, very plot-driven. Yeah. But the thing is, the main character is kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah. And her arc is kind of annoying. So it's kind of leading to the season feeling quite uneven. It is. Um, I'm still enjoying it. I'd rather be going on an RPG-style season, a bit like The Mandalorian, yeah. where we're travelling to various planets that were part of the Federation or that are feeling abandoned by the Federation mm. and just helping them. I'd rather be having stories like that. Yeah, which it seemed like we were doing at the start, but yeah, kind of changed over. Oh, well, uh, we'll see. <laughs> it's still good. I'm still on board. Oh, I'm on board, yeah. And next week is another Franks-directed episode, so that's oh. cool. Ah, oh, Jonathan Franks. If I forget Thunderbirds, you're wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think hopefully, because she has decided again at the end of this episode mm. that she does belong here. And Book said that being with her feels like home. So he belongs here, it seems, is what he's implying. So hopefully those two can now join the team and they can start doing like missions for the Federation. I hope so. I think... Not to, you know, look too much into it, but the episode titles for the, the the next three arcs do kind of lead me to believe that it's probably going to be a bit more um, episodic, which I think is cool. Also, the writer for next week uh, is the same writer as uh, the other Jonathan Franks episode that is coming up, so that also leads me to believe that, yeah, they're going to be more, more connected, which, yeah, we'll see. Awesome. And he was one of the lead writers on House of Cards, uh, great dialogue in that show. Hell yeah. So, maybe. And that's the other thing as well about unification that I wanted to bring up, and I know that you messaged me about it as well, was the exposition in particular in yeah. episode 7 was really, really well done. Yeah. It was experts informing people about what they know, as opposed yeah. to, there's something really obvious right in front of us, like a really big starship. <laughs> mm. Um. Yeah, and that episode was written by... Kristen Bayer, who has done a lot of like novels and and stuff, so okay, that could explain a lot. On yeah, like a different level of writing to uh, mm. I think yeah, quite quite a few of the others that we've seen. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, that's yeah, like one thing that definitely stood out with episode seven was the writing, which was interesting. Yeah, like there was a lot explained within the first pre-title before the pre-title sequence actually. There was. We'd learned that Navarre was Vulcan, mm. and it's a combination of the Romulans and the Vulcans, 
and they left the Federation, but it felt natural, it felt interesting, it was someone who knew more than the others telling everyone else. Yeah. And then Michael had her information about the burn that she was telling the Admiral. Mm. It was it was really well and really smoothly done. It was good. It was, yeah. And there was a lot as well, but done well. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was a lot, yes. So yeah, three episodes that all kind of like mirror what the show is and what's great about the show what the show does well and what is really tedious (laughs) which is really yeah it's really interesting that we got all those back to back um for me we had the bad in die trying like not the bad but like that's where the most grating stood out for me yeah then we had the brilliant in scavengers and then we had like the combination of the two of them with unification three (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So yeah, I'm yeah. I think next week, just because of the writer and the director and the title, which is the Sanctuary, Mm. I just think next week's going to be maybe the biggest episode. That could be like I could come back on the show next week and be like, "Well, that was just an okay (laughs) like side mission," but uh, I don't know. I think something might happen next week, and I'm excited because, like, obviously the ending of unification three was quite big as well so yeah i'm excited for the back end of this season oh yeah definitely because usually discovery really picks up near the end as well like the (laughs) the the pace gets much faster just out of nowhere so although this has been a pretty pretty good season this is one of the slowest episodes but it was good slow yeah it was intentionally slow yeah definitely yeah it's an interesting one yeah Definitely is. So, yeah, definitely join us uh, next episode. And how many episodes after that? Probably four more after that. Until January 7th. (laughs) Yeah, we'll say that because we might miss out on some more episodes. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, join us for some more Star Trek Discovery talk as uh, this season continues on. I think really good, um, high-quality stuff. Definitely. With annoying storylines with Michael, but... We can live with that, because Sneakle yeah. Martin Green makes everything wonderful in my mind. Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah. Also, I, I didn't mention it this episode, but I have been mentioning it all season. This season looks incredible, oh. so much better than the, the the last two, and they looked good. The The production value is just through the roof. Yeah. The season finale of season two was a step up from everything else. This is even better than that. So. Yeah, exactly. Like The battle in that felt like a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next week, we're also going to be talking about PS5 a little bit. Yeah. We've got a guest who has a PS5, so we're going to be asking that guest a lot of questions. Uh, or that might not happen. That's true. It might not happen. <laughs> or that. Um, but it probably will. Yeah. But it also might not. But it probably will. So check that out. Also, you appeared on episode 100 of Oldie Buddy Goody, which is out right now. So check that out. I did, but we recorded weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That episode was recorded over the course of a month, and it took forever to edit. And edited over the course of the month. <laughs> it took so long. But it's out. It was a fun, it was a fun one. Uh, yeah. And Rob and Jen are on that episode as well. And one day we'll get Jen on this show as well. Yeah. Hopefully pretty soon. Oh, uh, I guess it's time to, to do... Uh, we watch Star Trek and other things. Now, what do we want to watch? <laughs> we watch Star Trek and other things. Um, What do I want to watch... I did actually have something in mind that I was wanting wanting to either check out an episode of... Oh, that's what it was. Uh, the Trial of Chicago 7 is on Netflix. Oh, yes. And I would like yes, to yes. see that. You've been talking a little bit in our private Facebook chats about Doom Patrol. I want to see some more of that. 
Mm-hmm. And I will probably, hopefully, if I can get my life in order enough to do it, stream some more Miles Morales on Twitch. Oh, yeah. Just because I, I love playing that game, and I will stream it as I do. And I'll hopefully sit down and read some more His Dark Materials. The good thing, even though I hate heat waves, the good thing about a heat wave is you can't do much else, so mm. some quiet time there, so... Yeah, yeah. I'll probably do some reading. That is true. Although then your sweat gets on the pages, and you're like, ugh. That's true. I'll just turn the fan up. <laughs> and then the page blows while you're reading. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it's a lose-lose. <laughs> it's a lose-lose situation. I'll just listen to the audio book. <laughs> screw it, I've got to return my book. My oh, copy. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what, what about you? What would you like to... Uh, yeah, well, I've got four episodes of Doom Patrol, then I'm done with that, so I'm going nice. to try my hardest to finish that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, read Ahsoka, the Ahsoka novel <laughs> that came out in 2016, because if you know why, you know why. If you don't know why... Oh, I know why. Watch Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> and also watch uh, Star Trek Season... Not Star Trek, Star Wars Clone Wars Season 7 as well. Yeah, right. um, I finished that the other day. Because, oh, nice. uh, yeah, just trying to ca- catch up on all things Ahsoka. Um, and I'm excited about Star Wars again for the first time in a year. <laughs> I recommend just watch The Mandalorian. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just definitely check that out. Um, I, which I'm excited to do. It's all nerd out. Mm. So... Yeah, mainly, yeah, just finished Doom Patrol. There were so many TV shows that I wanted to watch before the end of the year, and I'm just running out of time. So I think I might check out... Um, Mark Ruffalo had a show that came out, a miniseries. Uh, I forget what it's called, but he plays two characters. I want to watch that. Wait, was it Mark Ruffalo or Paul Rudd? Um, Paul Rudd had one as well, actually. Yeah, that was on Netflix, which was a comedy that wasn't too bad. That's where he plays a clone of himself. Does, I think Mark yeah. Ruffalo was like two identical Oh, okay. Twins, hmm. I think. It looks really good. I want to check that, that out. Uh, and then some other shows, but I'm I'm running out of time, so I'm just trying to like pick which ones I want to do, even though we might not even be doing an end-of-year movie episode this year because I'm the only, the only one out of us three that has watched a lot of stuff. Well, there's been hardly anything to watch. <laughs> which is true. Which is true. So, yeah. It's all just review Enola Holmes. <laughs> mm. Or Tenet. That's leaked online. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. We might be doing an episode on it. I don't know. <laughs> I want to get Adam on somehow. I don't know. <laughs> um, But yeah, it's just those things that I want to consume. Oh, I might start the outside of TV show, which is based on that book that I finished. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So I wanted to get that done. Mm. But again, I'm running out of time. I wanted to finish American Horror Story. I've got two seasons left. Am I going to do it? Probably not. I wouldn't. You really are running out of time. Season 8 looks awful. Season 8 actually looks terrible. And so I'm just like, oh, I don't want to go back to this. Yeah, anyway. Hmm. Oh, and Happiest Season came out with Dan Levy uh, and Christian Stewart. So I want to watch that. And Happiest Season. Uh, I think I've seen a trailer for that. Oh, and Victor Garber's in it as well. Aubrey Plaza? Is it? No, I'm thinking of something else, aren't I? I think Plaza's in it as well. It's got a massive cast. Yeah. I think she might be in it, actually. Awesome. Anyway. Yeah, there's always a lot of stuff, and I sometimes can't think of it when you ask that question, although I do really like that segment. We will always have that segment. Yeah. But, yeah, there's there's lots of stuff I want to consume. 
Yes, thank you everyone for joining us for this episode. If you've got a list of things you'd like to consume, if you've got some stuff you'd like to recommend to us to consume, or if you have consumed stuff, please let us know mm. by hitting us up on Instagram. You can message our personal ones, the show's Instagram account. You can use hashtag NerdOutConsumed on Twitter. And okay. the show and the main show have an email address, which is feedback.nerdout at gmail.com and links to everything you mentioned I think are in the description yeah but yeah yeah they are yeah if they're not just message me <laughs> put them in there hey Sandra put it in there <laughs> yes so thank you everyone for joining us this has been a pretty long one but it has been a long time since you've done one mm. uh, I'm going to have fun editing it oh boy yeah. um, <laughs> I just thought of the amount of times my dog has barked and I'll just be cutting those out uh, as, as best I can uh, but yes that is the end of episode 30 that's quite a milestone it's a nice round number there yeah it is uh, but this is me Reese Parton saying goodbye this is me Sandra saying uh, see you next time